idea for all this really came from a dream? Yes, it did. Good evening and welcome to Knox Mente. Tonight's guest is Tim Schwartz. Tim is an Indiana native and an Emmy award-winning television producer, videographer, and is the author of a number of popular books, including The Lost Journals of Nikola Tesla, America's Strange and Supernatural History, Time Travel, Fact, Not Fiction, and Admiral Byrd's Secret Journey Beyond the Poles. As a photojournalist, Tim has traveled extensively and investigated paranormal phenomena and other unusual mysteries from such diverse locations as the Great Pyramid of Egypt to the Great Wall of China. He has worked with major television networks both in the U.S. and internationally. He has also appeared on the History Channel's programs Ancient Aliens, Evidence, Ancient Aliens Declassified, and the History Channel Latin America series Contacto Extraterrestre. Tim is also the writer and editor of the free weekly online newsletter and email newsletter, Conspiracy Journal, considered essential reading by paranormal researchers worldwide. In his spare time, he's also the host of the webcast Exploring the Bazaar with Timothy Green Beckley on the KCOR Digital Radio Network. Tim, welcome to Knox Mente. Hi, thank you very much. It's a real pleasure being with you tonight. We've been looking forward to this. Absolutely. Uh, I got you in uh, my chair, Tim. Then in that that case, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's crazy when people want to talk to you, right? I get it. Uh, I don't understand. I don't either. But you better have answers, young man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's uh, I. I don't know if I uh, can provide any answers. I mean, I can I can talk 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 to you. Get tired. And then go on to the next question. But uh, as as for answers, I don't know if any of us really has any answers. I totally agree with you there. I think, and it does seem for those of us, you do this. Uh, the more we dig, the more we talk to people. It seems like the more questions, <laughs> the the field just gets bigger. Oh yeah, definitely. That's the mystery of it all, uh, and it, the beauty. But it gets us out of the echo chamber too. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like those, you know, like Russian nesting dolls. You yes. Know? I mean, you know, you pull you pull one off, and there's another, and another, and another, and it just keeps going down into the abyss. And what a fun ride it generally is. Oh, I enjoy it. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't be here talking with you tonight if I didn't. Yeah. Well, this is I love your body of work, and uh, you know, of course, we are we love the weird here. And I think you're kind of one of the, ma- I consider you one of the masters of the weird. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, wait, can I say that word these days? Is saying the word master of weird? Master weirding? Master weirding. Yeah. <laughs> Am I going to get in trouble? You can say whatever the fuck you want, baby. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, Tim, let's get started with some of the early stuff taking it way back to the OG, back to the dusty memories. Um, what is the world that you recall deep in the recesses of your mind as a young person, as far back as you can go? What things stand out for you? Oh, my gosh. Well, now I, I, I know that, you know, when you ask that question, you're going to say, well, you know, I was floating in the clouds, saw my mom and dad. 
Both the, <laughs> both the angels. Those are the pair. Those are the people that I wanted to be with. And uh, unfortunately, you know, my mine would be a little, just a little bit more mundane. And I think that you know, one of my earliest memories actually, uh, I remember being in my. I don't know what you would call it. It, it wasn't a crib. It was more, you know, like a night bed that had, you know, like crib-like bars on it you know, to prevent a toddler from falling out at night. But uh, I remember one night uh, being asleep and uh, our cat uh, jumping into the bed. This is like in the middle of the night. He jumped into the bed. Now, I don't know if he had gotten accidentally shut up in my bedroom, but he was at the foot of my bed meowing. And I can still, I mean, he was a black cat, and I, I remember that so distinctly. And then uh, I don't know if this was part of that same evening or just a continuation uh, of events that involved the cat. I remember uh cat being in my room, and I have like a teddy um, that had like a fluffy stomach, like uh, a box collar. And I was like pulling little wad hair off of it and dropping it over the side of the bars of my crib for the cat to play with, and just being just just so amused by it. <laughs> um, but uh, I couldn't have been too old, though. I mean, probably no. I couldn't have been more than three, probably less than that, because uh, I was put into a regular bed fairly early on. So I may have been two years old, something like that. And I have a an even earlier memory. I mean, it's, it's really vague, where I remember being held um, in the arms of, of I think it was my mother, and we were standing outside of, um, I think it was a church, standing in a line, and I could remember that it was Kind of like a cold gray day, and I was fascinated by the clouds going by above, and um, and that may have been. I mean, I may have been no more than just year year old plus because I was the way I remember hell, and I think that's probably as far back. It'll it'll. Do you have on that on that specific memory? Do you is there a mood attached to it? Not really. I you know it's 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 more this recollect recollection of of watching the cloud go by, uh, of, and that's you know that's that's something that has that has stuck with me for some reason. For all of these years, I mean, I'll still at times, I, I often I have the chance to play outside. Of my, uh, I, and I think it's because of that earliest, earliest memory, just being fascinated with the way that they that they were moving above. I know that the first time <laughs> that I had ever seen the clouds before, or at least uh, noticed them. But uh, you know that, and uh, and playing with my cat, probably early. Those are great memories. 
I uh, I really I like the cloud one. And see, there you were. You let us in with before you were in the womb, and there was still this kind of cloud imagery. We've already got a theme going. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing gets by me. That's right. right. <laughs> but the tearing the teddy bears stuff off, I just, I love it. I love these early memories from people. And the crib is certainly young. Definitely, definitely, uh, you know, I, you know, it's like two or younger even. So. Yeah, well, and, you know, like I said before, I mean, it was getting out, but that never stopped. Yeah, pretty quickly, <laughs> crawl over the bars and get out. Escape artist, yeah, you know I had my parents' chagrin, right? I had I messed with my mother. I didn't know I was doing this. I had one of those play pens, and I guess the one of the panels on the bottom, there was uh, it would it must have so slat was that or something. So if I rolled, I would get out, and she couldn't figure out how I was getting out. It was like ma magic because I was too young. I was crawling and stuff. So there was no where I was jumping out. And, and so she finally had to spy on me to see, but I had figured it out and I consistently did it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how kids can, can figure stuff like that out to the point that it, it does, it mystifies you know, your parents and how you're able to <laughs> Right. Yeah, especially if they just want you to, you know, like toe the line for whatever reason. I was, I think she was like ironing clothing or something. It was one of those take your parent, take your mom to the edge moments that were very rare in my life that I learned very early on. Probably that was probably one of the occasions. Well, <laughs> I probably got my little booty spanked. Uh, well, kids are, kids are really good at uh, figuring out very quickly what buttons to push. Yes. <laughs> to get their parents as outraged as possible. Yes. Well, that's the thing is I have no memory of ever having a spanking from my momo. None. I just know the tone of her voice when it would drop and an, a vein in her forehead. And that was it. That's all I needed. Those two cues. And I, so it's something, you know, she made that apparent very early and it stuck with me. <laughs> it's like, all right, this I'm conditioned. I don't want this woman's wrath. Uh, <laughs> So back there, Tim, what about stuff? So a little older now, obviously, but stuff that you enjoyed, stuff that stuck out, cartoons, films, uh, you know, games you played, stuff like that that was kind of like childhood, childhood stuff that seems fun and sticks out still that's early. Oh, well, I, I was always uh, a fan of cartoons. Now, have to realize that um, I, I was a kid in the early 60s, so you had uh, really this, this this blossoming television. Television through the 50s uh, was in its in its growing pain, so they were trying to figure that was out. So by the time the early 60s came about, boy, I mean, had great, especially kids kitty types of, of program and of course now uh, where i live uh, i grew up in a town called elwood in central indiana and uh the we were about 50 miles north of uh, the capital of indiana indianapolis 
but um, we could only pick up maybe about three telecommunications. <laughs> Sometimes four if the wind was blowing in the right direction. Uh, you pick up a Channel 4, which um, they had their studios in Bloomington, but they had a, a transmission And it was Channel 4 that uh, had all the, uh, the kitty cartoons, uh, the, uh, uh, the kid-based shows that would uh, air in the morning, at noon, and then in the afternoon when the older kids were coming to school. Uh, you know, Banana splits. Yeah, well, oh my gosh, this was way, way earlier. Than okay, that. okay. I mean, you know, you had like, uh, um, uh, like Popeye cartoons and uh, repeats of uh, Looney Tunes. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Woody, yeah, Woody Woodpecker, uh, the lame cartoons too. Right. Oh yeah. Well, you know, Woody, all the MGM cartoons. Yeah. Like the lame ones. You're right. That's right. Uh, but um, and also, I mean, you had uh, Hanna Barbera. Right uh, around that time, they had uh, right. started releasing a bunch of made strictly television cartoons, and I mean, they were they were terrible, of course. But you'd watch them anyway because you didn't have anything else. So, I but mean, the Flintstones uh, was uh, first primetime animation right? from them, right? Yeah, yep, that's correct. Yeah, and uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I was very into that kind of uh, pop culture, comic book. That, and, you know, I mean, here I am, I'm 61 years old, and I still love cartoons. Uh, uh, of course, I'm a uh, choosy now, but uh, I mean, you know, I'll still watch But I also like uh, uh, newer types of animation, say, like Venture Brother. How about Rick and Morty? Rick, I was just getting ready to say mm. Rick and Morty, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm not going to go and put myself in the fanboy category that a lot of these, you know, people are because they they just get really. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> a good show. It's a good show. Yeah. It's worth uh, watching. That's all. Uh, and uh, and you know, The Simpsons, of course, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. Uh, but um, you know, uh, comic books were especially um, favored by me, especially the DC comics. Uh, and, and really, it was kind of uh, partially. I mean, there was other things going on, but you know, some of these comic books actually helped uh, lead me into my interest in the uh, world of weird paranormal. Uh, one reason is that uh, some of these comic books actually had paranormal uh, plot lines to them. You know, DC had a lot of. Uh, of so tales on that kind of like a, uh, a cleaned up version of the old EC comics, uh, it, minus the decapitated head, <laughs> uh, flying out eyeballs, things like that. Um, so that um, that kind of, of helped develop my interest towards the paranormal to a certain extent. Now, what I Early on, you know, like my, my first parts of elementary school, I really wasn't interested in that kind of stuff. I liked, I was interested in science. I liked uh, the idea of, of space travel. I was really fascinated because, of course, you know, at that time, we had the uh, the whole beginning of the uh, Space Project 
Mercury, Gemini, Apollo. I followed that kind of stuff, knowing at that time that by the time I was this age, you know, I mean, we would have uh, uh, tourist visits to the moon and things like that. Flying or, cars. Flying cars and rocket packs. Mm -hmm. you know, they, pro they promised us rocket packs. They did. Rocket packs, yeah. <laughs> I saw that movie. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that is the kind of stuff that, that, that I was interested in as a kid. Um, but um, really, not so much when it came to, you know, like, say, UFOs or, or, or the true stories of the paranormal. Uh, that, that actually came about after I was given an assignment third grade um, based on, used to get a little paper every week called, oh, Weekly news. It was from Scholastic Book. I don't know if you remember Scholastic Book, uh, but the uh, Scholastic Book Company had like newspaper kids that uh, sent out. And there was like an aggregate of uh, the the nation's headlines. And, uh, our teacher would uh, would would pick an article for somebody, and they would have to write a report and then give it as a presentation in class. One time, I got a story about UFOs, and I had, had no idea what UFOs were, really could have cared less. So, you know, I did my piece, and I was pegged by the class from that. I was the flying saucer. I was the guy who believed in little green men and Martian UFOs and all that. I, I could have cared less. Oh, no, you know, kids, they, they, they always try to find something <laughs> on you. And so I was the flying saucer. And, and, and that continued on through high school, believe it or not. I mean, this was like third grade, 19, around 1968 or so. And, uh, but uh, the thing that got me interested that people would make fun of um, when there were other people around but then later they'd come back and they'd say, you know, I don't believe in that kind of stuff. But, and then they'd proceed to tell me a story about how, say, you know, their 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 house haunted, or you know, they saw the boat while they were on vacation. You know, one night they woke up, there was a great aunt Irma standing bed. Great aunt Irma had died two weeks previously, and that's what really got me fascinated by all this stuff was the fact that people were having these experiences, um, maybe with no um, previous knowledge that this kind of stuff even existed. And, and because of that, they had no, no way to categorize these experiences in their head. You know, I mean, we all have this kind of like this... Uh, categorization system in our head on how daily events are stashed away in our brains. You know, light turns red when you're driving, you stop the car. Uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the cat's meowing, you beat it. If you see a disc-like object fly down from the sky and land in front of you and the gray guys come out and collect some rocks and fly away, 
where are you going to put that in that uh, categorization in your head? You know, for most people, you know, they have no idea. This is something that's completely new. And the first thought that comes to people's mind, well, I'm crazy. And uh, if they tell anybody, they'll think I'm crazy. So the fact that people would come to me and tell me these experiences, not with any kind of expectations of, say, trying to uh, um, become famous or to uh, you know, make a quick buck or something like that. They just want somebody to listen to their experience and reassure them that they're not crazy or laugh at them. Uh, you know, I, and I'm sure you know uh, from from other people that uh, it, it can be extremely difficult and frustrating to try to tell others about an unusual experience. Because most of the time, you'll get laughed at. You know, your your, your coworkers, your family—they're the worst. They're the ones that will tease you the worst. Uh, so. And those kind of things linger heavy on people. They oh, really need to tell. Yes. Even, they couldn't even tell their best friend at the time, like in the 60s. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, really up until really recent times. Now, with the advent of, of, of like these reality shows, you know, Ghost Hunters, yeah. and, you know, UFOs tonight, that sort of thing. People have more, a little bit more awareness that these kind of things actually exist. But, I mean, really up until uh, just a few years ago, the majority of the population, unless they were already interested in this kind of stuff, had no idea. I mean, they may have had, you know, like, a, seen something on television, but they would have no idea of the complexity and, right. and, and really how often these kind of things right. happen. And, uh, and, you know, and these people would come to me, and, I mean, you know, the stories are disturbingly the same you know disturbingly you know, fascinatingly the same you know that that's the thing i mean uh i can always tell somebody who's trying just to spin a yarn to me because it can be just really too outrageous though i've heard some really um absolutely incredible stories come come to me from people that i know that they're they're, they're telling the truth space pancakes it's face pancakes. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, buckwheat and flour. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a little salt. So, so yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, it's and it, it was it was these people who were coming to tell me these stories, not not expecting anything other than just friendly shoulder uh, uh, to, to to lay their head upon and to reassure them that yes, other people have had these kinds of experiences. No, you're not crazy, and no, I'm not going to laugh at you. And and then you know I mean you can just see the weight you know come off these people's uh, uh, shoulders and then you know, they'll walk away they may never ever tell anybody else again it, it, it didn't matter they they found somebody that um, wouldn't laugh at him listen to them and say yeah I mean you probably did have a uh, a, a real experience and you know that shit happens you know <laughs> it makes me so if this I'm curious. What is your, like the big three in your astrological profile, sun, moon, and rising, if you know? Oh, well, let's see. He's a cancer. I, I'm a cancer. I was born June 23rd, 1958, but um, I don't have no idea. What my other I'll run it while you talk. Okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah, it'd be, 
uh we'll at least find out the moon for sure that uh that that's interesting because that's really the direction your life went with people with you talking to people on this level and people feeling free and candid with you in these ways yeah it's uh well and um a lot a lot of time you know naturally people you know know that i'm interested in stuff that i'm doing but then again you know, I've had uh, just complete strangers, actually. I mean, they won't just come right up to me and start telling me weird stories. But just after, you know, talking to them a little bit pretty soon, you know, these kind of oddball stories will come out. And it's almost like I have an aura uh, that, that will uh, uh, are looking for some kind of reassurance uh, from their unusual experience. Of course, you know, nowadays it's a little bit more difficult because I don't, I don't want to make it sound autistic, egotistic, but I'm a little bit more, you know, uh, widely known, know what I'm yes. interested yeah. in. Yes, yeah. But, you know, I mean, I have had, you know, I mean, just recently, um, I was uh, on vacation uh, overseas, and I had several people uh, uh, proceed to tell me about unusual, uh, mostly ghostly type experience so they had just out of the blue and and this always fascinates my wife who um really doesn't have a lot of interest in this kind of stuff she's mm -hmm. kind of agnostic uh she she's told me that um she's almost um she's afraid to believe in this kind of stuff because she's afraid that'll attract it to her but then again she's afraid not to believe in it because she's afraid it'll make phenomenon mad at her <laughs> And, and yet and, she's and married are, to you. And both positions are in some way true. <laughs> yes, the they part. are. But the funniest part is that she's married to Tim. <laughs> I know, but I, I'm sorry. I was going to say her indecision is keeping it all at bay. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Exactly. And uh, I mean, uh, she uh, she's always the one. So and, and 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 bless her heart because you know it, it helps me a lot. But she's always the one that will always uh, have uh, a mundane explanation, for something usual. No matter if the mundane explanation requires a little bit, a lot more twisting and turning around to make it happen, rather than just straight out. Well, yeah, that was. <laughs> I mean, I'm not the type that would just automatically go towards the. Yeah, well, that was the ghost. But um, I always tell people I don't believe anything because if you start believing in something, then that is going to um, to warp the way that you investigate research uh, this type of phenomenon. So that when you start to believe in in, in say like oh, okay, so. Uh, Company held belief is that you know ghosts are spirits of have uh, passed on, um, but there could be you know an almost infinite number of, of, of explanations of this kind of so as far as uh, you know interdimensional uh, uh, visitors or or, or, or what are ultra terrestrials as Tim Beckley you know like like with them, and so I kind of you know leave any preconceived notions um, out of the picture 
just so it doesn't um, automatically carry me into any kind of, of predisposition or for an explanation. It, it's like um, UFOs. Now, uh, it, it always kind of irritates me when I'm reading a book about UFOs, the author starts referring to them as spacecraft. And yes, thank you. That's yeah. that's a problem I have with what's going on in the media right now. Is right, they're conflating right. the two. Right. Um, and, and it's just like, no, we have no proof one way or the other what they are. Sure, they could be spacecraft. You know? They could be time machines. You know, they could be, uh, I said before, interdimensional travelers. I mean, there's there's all kinds of, of different things. So, you know, as soon as you start to believe in one aspect of a phenomena, if some new evidence presents itself, you could find yourself, you know, subconsciously not accepting that because you have already, you know, formed a belief system that may not be correct. There's a lot of that going on in social media today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that phenomena is across the board with so many, so many aspects of, uh, of information these days it's, it's kind of overwhelming really but we see we see how neurologically that all works which is fascinating at this point i think i i so i'm wondering giving back just finishing up that early stuff what about did you have fears you know under the bed the closet dark woods oh sure what kid does <laughs> well, there've been many that haven't that we've talked with. If 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 that was actually the case, then then more power to them. Because, <laughs> I, you know, being a kid was hard. I mean, everybody everybody talks about oh, you know, when I was a kid, it was just you know, I had no no worries or fears and just you know, skip. <laughs> not in my paradigm these guys and yeah it's, you know it's just like no that that wasn't the case sure i mean there was you know i had i have you know uh, just you know tons of, of of great times and but you know i was afraid of the dark um i don't know why um it, it, it's 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 not like i had any real knowledge about uh, you know, some of these things that, you know, later on, you know, I've learned about, you know, the uh, uh, ghost coming out of the closet. But, uh, you know, I didn't like, I didn't like the dark. Um, now, I liked playing outside in the dark. But I didn't like, um, say, like a dark room. outside if it was nighttime you know in the summer that was great i you know i i love that i could i could play i could play outside all night not worry about a thing but i didn't like uh i didn't like a dark uh, room i i would have uh bad dreams yeah um, about uh, uh things in the dark you know? do you recall any of those dreams or images left from them the one that you know, and and it's this, it's it's amazing because um, this one is always. Uh, I had I had a series of dreams throughout my childhood, some kind of small, uh, like 
hairy humanoid type creature uh, that uh, always asked uh, me. It would claw me apart, rip my stomach out. <laughs> oh, just, wow. Yeah, just, just really, just really horrid uh, types of, of, of and that was reoccurring. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I remember, uh, there, there's several that still stand out in my memory where I remember um, going down a dark, uh, a dark hallway in the house. That, like a small ranch style house. It's a regular, regular hallway. I was going down the hallway uh, to um, to my bedroom at the end of the hallway, and um, all of a sudden, my, my bedroom door came open, and and this thing came out that looked. I mean, it was it was cloaked, uh, like almost like uh, it had like a blanket draped over it, and then, and it was holding it, um, had it holding the blanket at its neck to give it a cowl like appearance, and it was small. It was smaller than me. Yeah. And then suddenly, it after it came out into the hallway, it threw this this cloak off, and it, whatever this creature was, then act. Then the dream shifted, where it was. I was having more of like it was almost like that the tunnel of light type effect. Had near death experience, and I was on my side, like on the and it's 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 funny because rather than experiencing this firsthand, it's like I was watching this happen, like I was third party, and I was rolling on the floor to get away from this thing, and it was it was chasing me. But at this point, rather than being uh, by by pedal, it was like uh, uh, running on all four. All four paws, legs, and screaming, like horrible noise and tearing its teeth and chasing. But that that dream, it, it I don't remember catching something else. But that you know that thing, the little hairy, the little hairy animal creature, I can't what what I, the little hairy something or another. That uh, that that thing bedeviled a lot. How long do you, would you say that went on? Hmm. It's, you know, it's really hard to say. Um, probably um, through most of my young childhood, I would say probably by the time, you know, eight or nine, it is pretty much that point. I had, I had that thing uh, bothering off <laughs> and that's in, very interesting uh I, I have a lot oh it brings up a lot of stuff for me but I'll, i could get into that later what did you did you like horror films early on or early sci-fi stuff like say the star trek stuff oh sure oh yes i mean i was uh, uh probably like like a lot of people you talk to enjoyed the horror film what i what i was allowed to see <laughs> let me put it that way um 
though I did get to see early on um how ten or so um our local movie theater one time had like a double feature with uh, uh one uh, hammer like this. Oh, I love hammer yeah, films. Well, it was the evil of Frankenstein. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. And um oh um um the Gorgon. Uh, the woman got the, the snakes and hair. Yes, was, Medusa. Medusa, yeah. <laughs> you know, and the funny thing about and I and I loved I loved both. Uh even though for some reason the evil of Frankenstein is not considered one of the best. But uh, but but that one I absolutely uh, love. Uh, but uh, you know the funny thing is, and, and it just goes to show you how your memory works. And I and, and and because of this experience, you know, um, I always take it take this into consideration when um, when I'm talking to people about their experiences, especially experiences that have, that happened uh, uh, quite a number of years in their past. I distinctly remember when this actress would come Medusa. Her mm. the the snakes in her hair. I I remember all of them like you know writhing on top of her head, and you know, each one of them individually you know was was yes. like you know snapping towards the camera, yes. and uh, and and I was just like you know, I, it was just you know it was a wonderful thing to see when I was a kid. Okay, now flash forward uh, a few years ago when I actually uh, found this film again on streaming video and saw it, and the snakes were obviously like paper mache. Yeah, yeah. There was absolutely <laughs> no life to them at all. It looked like that possibly that they were on uh, strings with some kind of you know like a, a some kind of mechanical uh, thing that was just making them individually. You know their heads bob up and down. That's, yeah. You know, and that that was it. But I still, I could still see it in my mind's eye. That memory of those snakes. Every one of them were alive, and and you know, their eyes were flashing, and the you know the forked tongues were coming out. So, <laughs> um, uh, reality in your memory. Um, it's it, it's an amazing thing. And and I can see why a lot of skeptics, when it comes to a lot of these unknown experiences, um, uh, tend to be you know skeptical. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, because your memory is um, uh, malleable. It uh, it 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 changes. Uh, now, I do have some other you know like. Uh, memories of, of, of childhood events that were very clear to me and then later got confirmation there you know, nothing you know nothing extraordinary but you know then got confirmation from, say like mother and father that yeah that actually happened right uh, but you know that experience uh, uh, seeing that movie um it it, it still fascinates me on on how um your memory can be that I don't know, you know, mutable. It's mutable. 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 That's a good way. That's a good way. Yeah, you know, that's a good way to put it. It's one of the things we we really like to lay down for people is the fact that what how do we actually discern 
what was real and what was memory and what was a dream even and a memory of a dream these or, states of or consciousness if, or if we even should well it's just the exploration of and and the point being that it illustrates how we we tend to be so have so much conviction in ideas of what we think are solid and fixed and and then we run with that and build houses off of these ideas and it's like space (laughs) well anything you know it's just all consciousness is such a, a fascinating you know wave to ride it it really is and you know i mean you look at especially say like um the satanic scares in place right the 80s yeah yeah you know where you had these people that insisted that when they were children that they had been you know abused by adults in all kinds of horrific ways now uh, of course some of these children were prompted uh by you know social workers or other youths uh, uh, hypnosis, and I'll put quotation around them, and and ask leading questions, and so then you know, have these, these kids who came out with absolutely um, uh, incredible stories that you know you look back at them now, and it's like how did anybody believe what these kids were saying? Yet there were several hundred people who were actually convicted and sent to jail. It wasn't really until recently that most of them have now finally been been released once uh, cooler heads prevailed, even though it took 10 years or more uh, to re-examine uh, these cases. Yet, a few of these children who are now adults will insist that their memories were real. But the you know their parents lived with them at that time. Be like, no, nothing like that happened. And uh, so it's and, and it's like you said, a lot, some of these people have actually have gone and you know and and built their houses on these these false memories. Now you know I'm sure that there there probably were some cases of, of, of child that happened that had involved or arrested right so but some of these more fantastic uh lurid cases that that came out of you know say like uh, satanic rituals being performed at people home babies sacrificed and thrown into the uh, cremation oven that sort of thing. I sincerely doubt if if those kinds of stories actually happen, but there are still people today, maybe not uh, as you know intimately involved, who will insist that yes, this was all true. This all actually happened. So you know we're we're left with this question on you know what is what is reality, especially when it comes to the past and memories. Yes. uh, Yes. uh, Some people would say, well, you know, maybe they actually, maybe it actually did happen in, you know, another timeline, so to speak. 
<laughs> and like going into the whole, you know, Mandela effect type of thing. Well, it, you know, there's always it, perception again is is one of those crossed keys here and and it's hard to have any conversation about these kinds of things without factoring that in however that said let's get to uh i i want to knock out your your dream the way you dream and uh just get those details out of the way so we can move further into this juicy conversation. So <laughs> how do you experience the dream realm, you know? And and you know usually what I ask is like, is there architecture? What is the architecture of it? Is it color, sensate, you know, feeling, all the all the stuff. How does it how does it play out for you? My dreams have changed as I've grown older. Um, they're they're not as 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 when I was young. when I was a teenager and a young adult. I had I had very very thin and um, detail oriented uh, types. Of as I have gotten older, the the details to them have somewhat disappeared, and now I am left with more of the emotions involved, um, and and it's it it's difficult to articulate that um, because I'm, I'm a very visually oriented person. I mean, I, I, I'm an artist, still am, uh, years and years. And so a lot of my experience is based on a visual uh, content. Um, and, and I could I could see that really being played out more when I when I was younger, uh, because I would. I mean, I would have as as the, some people have described almost uh, movies uh, as as with uh, you know, three acts, you know, a beginning, a middle, and an end. That uh, various various characters. I think missing would be you know, like the, the Commercials or inter intermission, go get popcorn. Uh, intermission, but um, now as I've gotten older, um, I I have several different kinds. Uh, you know, I I will have the ones that are obvious, um, obviously just a, a brain. I like I like to describe because a lot of times they involve things that have happened maybe during the day or or, or during the week kind of uh, almost like a replay uh, but uh, but a lot of times with, um, with different players involved uh, rather than the uh, same people that I associate 
um, sometimes there'll be um, stress dreams. Uh, I, I, I'll have uh, reoccurring dreams about um, tornadoes. Uh, coming from the Midwest, tornadoes have always, you know, major back and, and a fear of mine when I was a kid, but I still have uh, uh, tornado types of dreams as an adult. Um, not so much where I'm actually being you know, injured or killed or anything like that, or that, you know, storms or see the storms coming, trying to find uh, a, a place to hide. And then um, after it goes by, after I also have, you know, like stress where um, I'm trying to move my cats um, somewhere outside of the house. I'm, we've got like five cats. And I'm trying to carry every single one of them in my arms outside to say like a car or someplace like that. And of course, naturally, none of the cats are wanting to swap. And my fear is that they're, you know, they're all going to play and, and disappear. Um, that, that one in the tornado, in the tornado dreams, uh, it hurt quite, quite briefly. Um, you know. With that said, um, are you, so I did forget to get this. So you're from the Midwest? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I grew up in uh, uh, Indiana, still, still live oh, here. Oh, Indy, okay. By Grimstake. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, the tornadoes are, because I'm in the Iowa. I can't... Oh, uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and they certainly still factor into my dreams as well. And, you know, I haven't lived in Iowa in a very long time. But they that's such a major archetype. And and this is why I always like to get into where people where people were at least spent their formative years to get that kind of those bigger symbols, you know, and so the ocean for people on the coast or the mountains and certainly tornadoes for us in the Midwest. My goodness. And although there was I don't recall any any kind of uh swarming tornadoes like like we've seen in the last two years <laughs> but yeah that was and speaking of that we're having an unusual thunderstorm thunder electrical storm out here in portland which is crazy i can hear that i can hear the thunder yeah there was a crack like i've never heard it reminds me of the midwest i've never heard it in a decade of living in this house mm. so uh, so that that is very important and significant. I, I definitely am glad you mentioned that, uh, so that we can get an idea of that. With so you've got the daily unwinding stuff, the stress stuff. I'm interested in now. What do you think? So this can get into the lucid and other stuff, but there's something that you said that's provocative to me and it's the change in your dreaming i'm very interested in that and you know less intense less details but more emotion right and so first of all so i have two questions here 
where did this transition in your life when, I guess, where and when, and I mean, where is more philosophical, uh, when did this happen for you? And so where were you on an emotional level? And can you explain, I know words fail, words definitely fail, but can you give us a, a detail of how these emotional dreams play out? Well, um, first of all, I would say that probably within the last, say, 10 years was when my dreams started to shift or, you know, watching Types of I I rarely have nightmares. I used to have uh, and I do used to have nightmares uh, quite a bit. Every once in a while, I will I will still have nightmares, but it will be rather than my er my earlier memories of nightmares were again these kind of long drawn out things. You know, where you're where you're being pursued by something, or uh, but I mean, they, it would be uh, just very very detailed oriented leading up to you know like old artsies type fear. The nightmares I have now, uh, they tend to be very quick, or at least my perception of them afterwards. Uh, there isn't a lot of build-up to it. It's just a scenario where something bad happened and actually trying to, because I've, I've, I've worked with my wife several times, uh, when I'm, I'm trying to say something or yell in the dream and um, naturally she's paralyzed, dreaming, um, I've actually managed to, you know, to moan in my sleep or, or sometimes partially start uh, talk, but uh, the nightmare has to be pretty bad for me to get to that point. And, and those don't happen um, as, as often, but when they do, they're, they're pretty intense. Um, now, I will say, now, this, this is an interesting uh, story. I mean, it's, it's, Dream related, uh, but it, then it, it it kind of goes over into that realm of of the unknown and possibly uh, paranoia, uh, paranoia, paranormal. When I was a teenager, um, probably I guess it was, this was when I was about seventeen years old. Uh, around the time that I was uh, graduating high school, I started to have a series of, of hypnotic uh, types of dreams where I would be asleep and then I would wake up and I would obviously be, you know, still partially asleep, though my perception was is that I was entirely awake because I could see, see my bedroom, very well aware of everything, and I would see um, a very large spider in my room. I'm not talking about, you know, say like a wolf spider about the size of a 
quarter. No, they, you know, these would be spiders about the size of a dinner, uh, either uh, coming up over the edge of my bed at or crawling up the wall or, or something like that. Now, I, I, I don't like spiders at all. Um, and especially uh, big ones like that, definitely don't like. And um, I would react uh, uh, by, by yelling very loudly and jumping out of bed, uh, which uh, my parents uh, hated that naturally in the middle of the night. Um, and as soon as I would do that, then I would be entirely awake and everything normal. Well, this, this happened a number of times, except for one night, um, I woke up and I looked over at the window, which besides my bed, uh, near uh, at the uh, side ahead of the bed, and I saw this, uh, this, this big honky spider. And this one was the, the, probably the biggest of all. I mean, it, it, it was huge. Uh, size of body, size of basketball. And its, oh, leg, and, it, and its <laughs> legs even bigger than that. <laughs> and it was crawling up the curtain of that window. Well, when it was doing this, all of a sudden, now, this, this window had one of those uh, uh, pull-down shades. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, that, uh, like a tension shade. Yes. Where, you know, you would pull it down and then um, it would hold in place. And then when you went to open it, you'd give it a jerk and it would go up automatically. Well, when this thing was crawling up this curtain, all of a sudden, that pull-down shade blew up with such force that it knocked itself and the curtain, the draw curtain, off of the wall and fell to the floor with a very, you know, like a very loud uh, uh, sound, which, which then, I mean, promptly you know, woke me up completely and everything seemed to be normal. But was that just a coincidence? That at the time that this happened, and this was the middle of the night, I mean, this, the shade had been drawn all night long, why did it suddenly decide to fly up with such force that it knocked itself and the curtain uh, uh, off the window at the same time that I was seeing this, this, this very large spider going up? And the funny thing, after, the funny thing is, is that afterwards, that was the end. I, I don't recall ever having any more dreams along those lines. So, you know, it's, I, I've often wondered, you know, uh, don't really quite believe in coincidence, but I would hate to think that there could be, you know, astral spiders, <laughs> invisible spiders, you know, crawling around out there that uh, under certain conditions, dream state, so to speak, you know, you catch a glimpse of them. The, I don't know. There <laughs> are many, many, many reports of astral spiders. Uh, I know. <laughs> and there's I, don't, a, I don't like to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> there's reports of um, AI robotic astral spiders too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, these these things they they look um, uh, even though I I wasn't even aware that these kind of spiders existed. You know, looking back at it, they they resembled like the huntsman spiders seen in Australia. Except oh probably, my god yeah, except maybe tri- <laughs> yeah, triple it's... the size 
Jesus. Yeah. I'll just yeah. add one more correlated synchro into this. There was a news story this week about a spider. Someone filmed a spider eating a dog or a, some kind uh, of. Some it kind was. Of, it's. Is that it? real? Mini possum. Mini possum. Like a, yeah. Mini possum. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, where was this? Oh, geez. I don't remember, but somewhere not not far. Uh, I think it was in the Australia. states. No, this I sounds think... like Australia. That was Australia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Australia has all the those creepy crawlies. They're all stuck on the island. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, and even though I mean the huntsmen, you know, they're not they're not dangerous to people. You know, they're just friggin' big. <laughs> well, they they tap into that you know that we question our place when we encounter things of that nature that when they get to a certain size you know there's that it taps into that reptilian brain of is this a you know the fight or flight and and i think polarizes us in in probably a positive way where if we don't have a tool you know how do we how do we deal with things that could do us damage? Hmm. You know that that's still there. That's the flight yeah. part. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah these these experiences certainly polarized me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, polarized me in having to change my pajamas afterward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh lord! Uh, but um, so why? Do, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Why do you think this shift happened? For you and your dream experience one of the things that um that has happened with me um as as i have gotten older and you know and i've had some i had some of these dreams when i was younger but they seem to have become more um apparent as i've gotten older is these types of dreams where I will be I will be interacting with people in the dream that um I I I know them. I have known them all of my life. Maybe I'm in a relationship with them. Um uh, uh, but they're not somebody that I know in in real life. And there is this this emotional component uh, uh, with these um, with these people that 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 I that I am dreaming about. That oftentimes when I wake up, you know, I realize that I don't know these people, that I have never known these people, but I still have. I mean, for a little while at least, this this impression of a. Of, of a lifelong interaction with them and i'll actually for like a several days have this sense of loss that i'm not with that person now that they're gone um even though i've never i never knew them i mean they as far as i know they never existed yet in the dream they were very real and and very important uh, uh to me in this dream and um and i i often wonder if now of course there are dreams that are that are just dreams like i talked about before where you know it seems to be that your mind really just kind of you know, processing uh a day's event 
categorize really just a, uh, a type function. But then there are these dreams that I think are actually who are looking into and experiencing your parallel life. I think that all of us, at the very same time that we are living this life right now, that we are also living an infinite number of other lives uh, throughout the multi-universe. And that also includes what we would refer to as uh, reincarnation, uh, uh, past life, present life, uh, future life. Uh, because once we get out of physical, out of the material world, the there there is this timeless state. There is no time. So the concept of uh, of having a past life is meaningless. We are living those lives right now, and we are living our current life. But this also includes lives in, for want of a better world word, uh, you know, parallel world, uh, 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 alternate dimension, alternate universes, uh, at the same time as, 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 as what we would refer to as future lives, uh, again, because time really has no meaning, we are living all of these lives simultaneously. And I think that there are times when dream that those barriers are, they, they disappear and we're able to see at least, you know, one at a time. Our, our that, uh, of, of these of lives. And, and I think that is one reason why, why some of these dreams, and I know I'm not the only one, I've, I've talked to people and read about similar experiences, but that is why you know, we have these dreams where um, there's this whole backstory, so to speak, uh, uh, written with this dream, even though you may be dreaming about just a little you know, segment of your life, know that there is this, this whole other experience in your memory in the dream, uh, not only involving yourself, but some of the you know people and loved ones that you're interacting in this. Though so, again, like I said, when you wake up, you know it's like okay, people aren't in. You know, I don't know who these people are. All right, here we go. Else land. And now I'm not with. Them. And it's just there's this this. It, it it's really difficult to describe this this, this heavy emotion involved after. That 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 life, I may never experience it again consciously, or maybe I will. Who knows? But at this very moment, I have this sense of loss. Yes, I. I've had those types of dreams. There have been several of our get maybe a couple, and I talked to so many people behind the scenes that have been saying this to me lately. This is a theme, so I'm with it that have gone past their second Saturn return and there's been this shift in the dream. So I'm wondering, were you around 55, 56 when the shift happened? 
maybe maybe even a little bit younger than that. But yeah, I mean that that would sound right. I'm 61 now, so I mean it's it's happened probably within the last 10 years. It's, so it's, it's one of these things that I mean you know you don't consciously think about. It's only until somebody like yourself brings it up. He's like, yeah, you know that is right. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it's it's something I'm starting to notice. And I'm and of course when I start seeing a theme, I become more, you know, I'm fascinated by it. And it's only something, like I said, that's just all of a sudden I've I've been getting a lot of information from people that are in their sixties now that said that have been saying there was a shift that happened. And I just find that extremely fascinating. Uh and the shift's different for everyone, of course. We all dream differently, too, despite, you know, I'm not one of these empiricists that think everything has one, you know, it's completely one way, and that's the only way. Uh, oh, here we go. I got a, got a logging truck going by. It's <laughs> the good old Northwest. Uh, yeah, but your internet's staying up tonight, so it's good. Yeah, it's been flickering. I can't, the storm's unbelievable. So, well, the electricity here's been flickering. Okay, so in in this too, so exploring these dreams with you, Modern, first of all, let's knock out what lucidity levels you you reach. Do you get out of body or as as some of the older language was like astral traveling? Traveling. Um, uh, I have, and, and much to my disappointment, because I have tried to do this before, um, you know, I, I, I've always been fascinated by full concept. Robert Rose book first came out, uh, and that, that, that got me started how to do, you know, astral projection, both, you know, consciously and try to achieve it in you know, in a dream lucid state, but um, I have I have never been able to um, uh, get very far when it comes to, to I may you know have a, a just like a brief moment where I'll think uh, uh, I'm I'm dreaming. I, I mean, I have that I have that often actually, where I realize that I am dreaming and maybe I can try to control it uh but then uh you know off i go in some new tangent and that's gone and that uh, for for the most part that is the way uh the way that i dream uh, i'm very uh schizophrenic uh dream, dreamer so to speak it's not schizo it's add yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> It it, it it does. I mean, it's uh, I I've, I've never had much luck in trying to control it, and it's just a very um, um, haphazard uh, type of direction. I I think so. Like I said, you know, when I was younger, there seemed to be more of a almost like plot a lot of my dreams. And a like I said, like a beginning, middle, and end. Uh, but as time has gone by, it it become, become more and more just almost like a skipping record. I'll, you know, having to 
one experience and concentrating on something in the dream, and then the next minute it's gone off onto a completely different tangent. And uh, I and, and I, I don't recall my dream much. Sometimes that's, that's a good thing <laughs> uh, because uh, when I was younger, I would have a uh, say like a very emotional dream, and I still do. It. I have a very emotional type that stick with me for at least that day, sometimes for a couple of days. Fortunately, I don't have when I do, they do tend to stick quite. Again, I, I've, I've just seemed to notice that it's been very difficult for me um, when I'm in a dream state to put my finger on that that knowledge that I am dreaming and that I hold. It's, it, it's almost like my mind is trying to them, uh, that type of it, it, it kind of goes along the uh, same line that I've noticed that is say I'm in a romantic situation and that uh, uh, it's starting to play out the way that you know it should naturally it never does <laughs> exactly exactly oh, no. <laughs> I was I was telling you this the other day Nish. it's like I've never had sex in a dream yes yes it's crazy it I is. love it my is. wet dreams so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite. Oh, it's so good. It never, ever plays out. It, yeah, I mean, it, it. You know, it. It, it comes up to. That's you know, like Astro that, Blue Balls. Yes, yes, very much so. Exactly. I like that. That's a great term. <laughs> Did in so the ones where you were speaking earlier about that were highly emotional where these people you know but you don't know them in your apparent waking life in this right. tim schwartz life uh how do you know what are the particulars there so you know them this is an emotional content these dreams i imagine stick with you for days or at least not the dream itself but the that mood mm -hmm. oh yeah very much um well Naturally, uh, a lot of times it it uh, it would be say like um, somebody that I would romantically involved. Mm -hmm. but, but again, I mean it's not um, it's not somebody that I know in in real life, um, and 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 it's uh, again it's this. Um, there's, and it's hard to explain. There's, there's backstory to this. It's thundering here now. <laughs> you send your storms all the way over here. <laughs> it's I'm passing it on. <laughs> um, uh, but again, uh, you know, it's there's there's this backstory where um, you know I have memories of knowing this person for 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 quite a long time. You know, in the dream. Now, you know, naturally, when I wake up, I'll have. You know, I'll, I'll have the emotional memory of having, you know, the actual memories in the dream that that has faded. Uh, 
but I mean, there'll be, you know, I'll, I'll remember, you know, like uh, uh, how we had met or, or dates that we had had, you know, or, or things, things like that. Uh, uh, sometimes it, it'll be, you know, rather than a romantic uh, situation, just a very good friend that uh, that I had known all of my life uh, that enjoy hanging out. Think hanging out, you know, in dream, and then after to wake up, it's just like I've lost my friend. And, yes, and you know you, and that that will hang on with you. And that's the thing that always amazes me about these types of people: how that that emotion will hang with you for for a long time. Which you know, which has that that that's what you know kind of helped lead to the idea that um, rather than just this just being something strange, uh, you know, concocted. Uh, that split second dream that that no that this this is actually real. This is something that you are actually experiencing. Like reality, uh, yes. You're you're just catching lips of it because the emotion is so is so strong and the memory is so strong uh, uh, with this. That I just I, I and, and I realize that the brain and your mind are, are a fantastic thing. It, it's, a, it's such a mystery, you know, to us still on how they operate, you know, on the physical material level. But, you know, I'm just, I, I've always been left after these experiences, um, almost this gut instinct that this is more than that. This is more than some kind of chemical reaction going on based on your day's experience. Yes, I I completely agree. And it, it, I mean, you know, as well as I know, the more you encounter people and varied amounts of people and, and start seeing the overlap and, and even reading about it, I mean, it just seems, it seems evident to me. Where, so this kind of brings me into this area that I think is my favorite is where's this overlap here we are now and so what's what's this overlap that goes on that could possibly uh play with alternate timelines reincarnation possibilities uh the idea of the nowness of consciousness and how we can shift so you can be in that dream state and be having these incredibly emotional experiences that are in-depth intense and visceral uh and yet and then come back and you know feel the longing and the missing of of these characters that have no meaning in your life here what what's going on how you know, it's possible you're waking up over there and you're having this experience there where you miss your wife and that's in this life, this experience and all that. And does that version of you dream about your life here? Right, right. That's what I'm asking, yeah. exactly. Um, oh, sure. <laughs> uh, uh, exactly. Um, now, cause I think 
that, there are probably uh, at least the way that we, we think about it probably in almost in number of ourselves in these different uh, timelines and realities. Way that uh, the universe probably operates that every every decision that we make, every decision that others have made throughout time have have caused branching off, so to speak, when if there was a a beginning to this universe almost immediately, it branched out to number multi probably before that there uh, you know there uh an ultimate a different uh, uh, infinite number of multi-universes and so on and so forth i mean it's, it's the, the, the mind boggles with that so um what are the chances that one of our other lives dreams about us uh it, it probably probably does uh, happen we are able to have these dreams and experiences uh where we brief glimpse our other lives then so can so can they um i think that probably there are lives that are maybe more close closely related to our current one um a little, little hard to describe. It's almost you think of, say, like a parallel road run uh, close to each other. Uh, the closer the roads are to each other, uh, the more likely of back and forth interaction. Further away you get either direction, least like are to have this kind of interaction. And probably the more. Um, Diversity away from our our current lives, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, there's a phenomenon called time slips, where somebody, yes. say, just you know, driving their car, walking down the street, and all of a sudden they'll find themselves what appears to be to be either in a past uh, situation, sometimes even a present situation. The, the, the concrete sidewalk. Underneath them will turn into bricks. Uh, instead of cars in the road, those horse-drawn carriages, skyscrapers have disappeared into you know, small homes. They'll have all sensory experiences. They're able to, you know, smell the air. They're hear uh, people shouting, horses uh, winning as they're dragging the carriages along. There's a possibility that rather than this being an actual, say, like time travel event that you go on back this uh, our past or our future, could be experiencing a, uh, a very close by um, alternate uh, reality that may, you know, their timeline maybe is a little lower. So. Uh, so. 
their present time matched up to ours would be, say, you know, 50 years, 100 years in the past. Uh, so I would accidentally glimpse of that. For all intents and purposes, it would look like that, uh, you know, that you were experiencing our past. That closely uh, uh, related. Go further down the line and, you know, your whatever it is that makes you your conscious, that uh, that that spark uh, off of creation, uh, that 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 makes you you, and will always be, um, they inhabit a reality that is so uh, completely different from this one as to be just unrecognizable as any kind of of reality, which you know. They explain some of these really bizarre nightmares that, that, that people have. You may be experiencing just a you know a normal day of work in an alternative reality, but in this reality, you know, it seems like that uh, chased down by by hairy monsters, big teeth. Uh, so I think that um, under the right conditions, which may just be you know going to bed and going to sleep. That, that your mind is um, um, less oppressed by the material, that it's able to open itself up to the, uh, uh, to the universe, all of the different astral dimensions, whatever infinite number of other realities out there, and, um, and the walls break down um, because these alternative lives that you have all across the spectrum, it's still you, right? It's it's not a different you in these other lives and realities. It is you. Um, it's, it's you with different variables. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, you're, the mind in this world, in the material world, has to partition itself off. There'd be no way that you could consciously experience this infinite number of realities that, that, that I think that we're all living. You know, you'd go insane. You know, probably, right. you know, some people uh, uh, through a chemical breakdown or whatever, you know, catch a glimpse of that and, and, and probably do go insane. So, you know, at, at times at night when you're at sleep or, or I, I've had a lot of these. Uh, types of dreams. Actually, when I'm happy, uh, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, they they seem to be a lot more um, um, real and profound. If I'm just having a short sleep, even before you're fully in REM, you start to get it. Like you close your yes. eyes, two minutes, wow. boom, you're seeing other stuff. Yeah, I have the same. Well, and that's you know that's something else that I have contemplated on. I, you know, uh, because uh, you do. I mean, you know. Just kind of like close your eyes, and almost you're you're just immediately in a dream state, you know. Uh, so it's it, it could be either a that your brain is constantly dreaming, even when you're awake, dreaming, but just don't realize. It. And as soon as you even you know maybe even just start uh, you know daydreaming, briefly slip off to sleep, you know, boom, you're in this you're in this dream state, constant, or 
know, you're just, oh, that was a Oops. big one. Boom, that was a good one. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> we heard that clear over here in Indiana. It rattled my balls. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mine, too. <laughs> you know, oh, I had... Okay, go ahead. I'm so sorry. I had, I wanted to, before we got off on this too far, the reason why I asked that, is it possible that one of these other timelines of ourselves, or if we're tapping into ourselves, so say another version of you pops into your Tim Schwartz life, but it's, you know, a Japanese version of you. And where I'm going with this is the idea of possession. Yeah. Is it possible from where you stand and how you see things that this phenomena of possession or pop-ins or even erratic walk behavior, walk-ins or even erratic behavior that we see on the news a lot these days where someone's just totally out of character and they've, they've just flipped. And, uh, and so rather than being something supernatural, like say a demon, is it possible that it could actually be another you from another timeline that somehow snapped in and is trying to come to terms with uh, what what's going on? Well, you know, so it, like waking in a dream, but waking in a dream, another dream of yourself. Right. This could so, be like a demon's nightmare. <laughs> right through through so through the through the net of or the the guise of possession as like say the religious would view it and right. need to be exercised and all that do you is there a correlation there for you that's, you know that's that's very interesting um you know i i do think that there are um there are parasites spiritual parasites or or even predators for you know for words. Um, you know, I I don't give them any religious uh there's there are um, other things out there that uh, you know just like we have you know wolves, hyenas in the physical plane, there are probably uh the um, spiritual astral uh, uh, levels of this as well. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, some of these cases that you see of, of black out of character or act like they're obsessed with this, uh, there is actual other type spiritual entity involved. You, you put on, you know, th that's a very good point, though, um, because there have been, as you well know, a number of really interesting cases throughout history of of walk-ins where somebody, uh, say, will have an accident and uh, appear for uh, briefly for all intents and purposes to be dead, uh, but then will uh, come back to life, uh, be resurrected through medical ways. And but their personality has completely changed. Uh, one person that, that I can think of, uh, who is the writer, uh, Bob Sankrampa, uh, 
wrote a series of books about alleged experiences as a Tibetan monk in the 1940s. Turned out that this was uh, the person who wrote these books was a British plumber that uh, one day when he was trying to, uh, he had a ladder up against a tree. I can't remember exactly what he was doing. He fell off the ladder, according to his wife, and hit his head really hard. And um, when uh, he came out of the hospital, he had uh, uh, turned into this Tibetan monk whose name was Rampa. And uh, uh, so uh, was this actual walk-in, uh, a, a spiritual being who just happened to be hanging around while this uh, English plumber accidentally killed himself and decided he was going to take a uh, second chance at life. Or like you said, um, was this a situation where some other timeline fairly close by kind of came into play? Because remember, like I said, um, all of these other lives that, that we are living, it's still us. It's still that spark of, of universal consciousness that makes you you, but it's just been kind of like you know, uh, divided off, sectioned off little pieces, you know, throughout the cosmos. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, I think that uh, there, there's a good possibility and it also, you know, now that you now that now that I'm talking about this, I've had several people tell me stories where they have been in a situation where they think that they have died, and then all of a sudden there was almost like a shift of consciousness, and they find themselves someplace else and alive. Um, I had I had one guy tell me that. Um, he was on a plane jet that was coming in for landing. All of a sudden, um, they hit turbulence and the plane dropped down fast. I mean, just just a flat drop. And he said that things were flying around and everyone was screaming. And he says, and then the next thing he knew, he was home with no recollection how he got home or that there had even been a plane flight recently in his life. And he told me, he said, no, I think that I died. That I was, that that was a different reality or world. He, he really couldn't come up with it. He said, I think that I died, but then my life, my consciousness is continuing on in this reality. I think that this reality is different than the one that I was living in last year. Oh, so he came from that one to this one. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that, that's what he thinks. Yeah, this is fascinating. There was also uh, an incident of a guy that tried to go through customs with a passport from a country that didn't exist. Getting back to oh, the time yeah. slips. Yeah, that, uh, it, that happened in uh, Japan. In Japan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, there's... There's a number, you know, I mean, if you go and just, you know, look them up, there's, there's, there's a number of different uh, uh, cases like that uh, where, you know, it, sometimes it does seem to, you know, there, there seems to be 
you know, like a physical component to it. But, um, you know, Nish, as, as, as you uh, put out there, you know, I, I think that there, there could very well be, you know, under some circumstances, um, a, a melding, so to speak, or a push out <laughs> of, of one consciousness to the other. But again, since it, 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 it's still you, it's just another aspect uh, that, that may have been living in, you know, in a different reality, but somehow, uh, some way has found, um, found yourself this one. Uh, it's interesting too that a lot of these stories happen in airplanes or in the air or during well, air travel. And I, I, so, uh, a lot of that I've heard, and it reminded me of like what I wonder what happened to MH370 and things yeah. like that. Well, uh, I had I had a woman tell me uh, she had experience when she was a kid when she fell out of a tree, and uh, it was the uh, same situation where she was climbing a tree with friends and she was pretty high up. She said fell. And she said, but before she hit the ground, she kind of blacked out. And then the next thing she knew, she was sitting uh, in her kitchen uh, eating a sandwich. And, uh, uh, but uh, uh, none of her friends were around. Uh, nobody had any recollection of them being together that day and playing in a tree. And, uh, and then you know, she didn't, you know, she didn't postulate that, you know, she had died or anything like that. But it's uh, it sounded so familiar, uh, compared, you know, like the story about the guy who crashed the jet and did it. <laughs> yep, that's crazy. With all this, as as we move into this, these ideas of overlapping realities, uh, you know, just the way that dreams overlap memories and all that is it possible that you know this whole idea of the maya of death the mirage of death because if we're always in the now our consciousness is always our waking consciousness is always happening right now then where does that really put death or birth if until until we're there but if we're always now we're always alive or are we dead <laughs> it's just all a construct the yeah. whole death and it's a way to i think it's a way to i'll oh, shut up it's not my question no no no, no. i just think it's a way to apportion an experience portion it out what have you come to, Tim, in your years of exploration, and especially talking to so many people of diverse backgrounds? Well, it's um, it's it's again, it's you know, it's a situation where um, I have no idea uh, because I have had um, paranormal experience where it does seem like that um, I was interacting um, with ghosts or some kind of, of spiritual type of entity. Uh, uh, sometimes this, whatever it is, I interact with have a personality, and, and other times, 
force and naturally tend to assume that if you're dealing with something visible, seems to be, you know, a discarnate entity, sometimes, you know, it personality that that there is this 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 line between life and death that consciousness is in physical body for so long and uh, and then on to different type of reality um but then again, we see these experiences, like I was just uh, telling you, where people think that they have died, yet they find themselves uh, uh, continuing on. So is this something that happened to all of us? I mean, even to the point where um, we're old and on our deathbed or what have you, and that you know we're getting ready uh, uh, to meet our meet our maker, and uh, we see all of our previously deceased uh, loved ones surrounding the bed, and then the next thing you know, you find yourself five years old again and playing in the field behind your house. You know? um, is there this actual people like to describe it? You know, uh, uh, the meadowland uh, afterlife uh, that and experience, or is, is that just a fabrication of our memories to try to explain when we do perish briefly and then back, and our minds are not able to grasp what happened to us, so it has this construct of of the middle or is it all just a continued existence for us across the multiverse um, that if we die that's a, that's a hard word to use um, because it so much yet actually says so little um, if our uh, vessel vessel yeah. perishes, yeah, yeah, very good, yeah. Um, you know, do we just find ourselves, you know, continuing onwards in a in in another reality, uh, uh, living our lives till we go on go on to the next one? Um, you know, I, I and I and I know that there are a lot of people who are hoping that. Um, They're, they're hoping for that time of rest, you know, after the, you know, after their lives, especially, you know, you've led a normal life, old and ready for uh, a rest. But I mean, you know, do you get that in the sense that we have all been led to believe of, you know, either the, the metal land or the cloud or floating around playing harps and, you know, and, and that sort of thing? Or is it just a continuation of our consciousness in a different realm, different life? Um, uh, but again, you have to remember that consciousness 
creates all of this, that if it wasn't for consciousness, all of our which are all basically part of the same consciousness. Mm -hmm. If our consciousness wasn't there to to live in these other uh, uh, multi-realities, they probably wouldn't exist. Uh, it's a whole quantum uh, reality idea that without a consciousness to observe and experience that none of it exists. So our consciousness actually plays the it's the lead role in all of it. Yeah, it's all almost self-sustaining too. Yes, yes, in that very way. much so. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. Well, it, it goes into the idea also, and, and I'm sure you've probably talked about this in in the show before, because you know, uh thousands of years ago, you know, people believed, say, like in the uh, uh the Greek god era. These were, were real to them. They, they existed. They performed miracles. People had experience. They'll have experience. That's right. To believe in them. Uh, so, did they actually, you know, exist as a part of our, uh, our, our, our creative abilities? Since we are a part of creation, we have that spark of creation in us. So if there are enough people who believe that God exists, they actually exist. Exactly. Nowadays, nowadays, we don't believe, most people don't believe in you know, the great God, so, you know, they kind of... Uh, well, they were overtaken by the Roman gods. Yeah, well, yeah, but uh, um, people don't believe in those. Uh, they believe now in spacemen. Yeah, they believe right. in the, the, yeah, so, uh, you know, are, have the Greek gods uh, turned into the little greys with the big eyes? You know the the uh, faces have changed, but uh, it's, it's maybe a, inside. Excellent question. I yeah, and I'm right there with you. It's it's um that this brings me reminded me rather what you're saying of um American Gods, the book American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love those. Love those. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good book. I haven't had a chance to see the uh, TV series. Basically. I saw the first season. It was good, and Good Omens was pretty good too. By the way. Oh, good Good Omens. Really. Yeah, the second season was just as good. With sure. with all this said, though, is there a is there so if we if we now overlay the idea of transcendence onto all of this, and and we look at it from the perspective of code, and all of this as are our big puzzle with all of these ideas as pieces on the table as we're creating this larger picture is there a possibility in your mind at least that through transcendence and wh whatever that is i suppose we need to come to terms with a, a localized idea of what that is mm -hmm. that we could unlock the code that we could get past all of this, all of these layers, all of this refraction, and uh, maybe move on to something more? I think that is a possibility. Of course, um, most Eastern philosophy, uh, Buddhism, teaches that, that uh, 
wants to remove desire, the desire for desire, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, uh, place yourself or try to place yourself above all of that. That that is where she feels her heart. Get yourself out of that that cycle. Now, they would refer to it as the cycle of reincarnation, just, just putting it on earthly level. Uh, but what I'm thinking is that it actually goes you know, beyond reincarnation on earth level, but as a continuation on all the levels of reality. Yes, that's where I'm going with it. Right, right, yeah. And so they're probably, you know, I mean, they're, they're more than likely is a way to escape that. Um, you look at, like, Tibetan Book of the Dead, Egyptian, they, they teach that there is a way uh, to, to escape that, that continual recycling of, 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 of soul. But of course, um, the way our physical, our, our material mind work, it, it really, it, it gives us an incomplete picture of this perception of, of how our souls operate in the universe. And, and like you're saying, you know, it goes much further beyond uh, just the just earthly plane, and you have to take into consideration the whole, uh, not even just the multiverse. You're I mean, talking about the infinity verse of three that uh, that your consciousness uh, made. However, there has to be what's the word I'm thinking? Locus. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that. Yeah, right. a look, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, uh, the, you have to be focused in one of the dimensions at a time. Right, right, right. So you know, there, there, there has to be some place, and again, places right term that outside of all of that, um, that, that you know, the, the ultimate source of consciousness prevails and pervades, and is looking at all of this, much as if we were flying on a plane and watching the landscape you know, below, uh, there is this ultimate source of, of, of consciousness we are all a part of, but then again, we're not a part of, as long as this within this... Individuated this, space. Uh, yeah, 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 you know, this, this, this landscape of, of, of multiverses. Um, uh, the, you know, of course, you know, say like Tibetan Book of the Dead. I mean, that was as easy as you know, when you die, you have to avoid what was it? It was like the uh, uh, don't want to go to the red light, uh, because that is the light of, of copulating couple, and that would immediately put you back <laughs> into the uh, reincarnation cycle. <laughs> like, yeah, and they're like the snakes and the alligators and like as a deha and stuff like that right right now correlate right. to chakra color so but um 
you know, I mean, don't you know, don't look don't look look at look for me for you know like uh, uh, knowledge Eastern philosophy. We use the wisdom of the crowd principle here. There you go. <laughs> yeah, the Eastern mixed in with all the, so that's just one construct, really. And so I'm wondering with all of it, it so the idea of transcendence is a, a bigger thing for me. And the Eastern stuff certainly is one of the fractals. And if everything we can think of here, that our minds can wrap around here are just other fractals of it, of this experience. And so I'm wondering your thoughts on like full integration. When we've fully integrated all of it into, uh, into one pinpoint moment, this sometimes in my ponders is like the awakening within the dream, where for me it has at least been oh, shit, I'm awake. <laughs> and everything kind of comes together for a second. And then in that second, because it's so big, it, for me at least, it's so big and, and intense and lucid that it, it, then I get, I get, I just shatter down into another million pieces again. I'm having the dream I was having and then I wake up back into my niche life. Um. There, the late British writer, Colin Wilson. Oh, I love him. You know, he talked about epiphany and how there are times in our life where we'll just find ourselves engulfed in ultimate happiness. Uh, is that a lot of people never experience every once in a while some people will where it's just like all all sadness all terror everything negative just leave you for a brief moment and you are just left with this ultimate universal happiness almost you know i mean it, it, for want of a better description kind of like that feeling you'd have uh, uh just before you got out of bed or just as you got out of bed on christmas for a kid that excitement that that ultimate happiness when you you know like saw everything under the tree and before anything was even and and he said that you know, that, that he thinks that that is the key to opening yourself up to that state of transcendence, that state of bliss. He says that that is the way that we should be living all. And, and that you can aim that that is really the way to achieve that that ultimate spiritual awakening that take you away from not only this material world but all the others that take you out of that that continual process of, of 
death, rebirth, living, death, living. And will basically then join back up material, physical term. Totally cool. You go back to the cloud. Yeah, yeah, you go back to, yeah, very good. That's a good way to put it. Uh, You go back to, you know, you go back to the cloud. He says, but, you know, so many people, um, they, like I said, you know, they may have that experience. Some people may never experience it. You know, some of us may have it, you know, one out of ten on and are never in it. It's almost a tiff living, you know, a, a normal life. But but he always felt that that was the answer to um, achieving that that state of mind, that state of get us off continual treadmill of life. Uh, but but he says that it's you know it's as far as he knew. I mean, really. Even some of the most advanced, say, like the uh, yogi masters, uh, have been able to achieve. He says some people already have been able to achieve accidentally get all the chakras, you know, aligned in, in just that perfect state, you know, Kundalini, you know, flowing just right, and maybe get a glimpse of it. Uh, you know, un- unfortunately, the way that we have to live, our physical state, the way that our brains and our bodies are made up, we evolved basically to hide the bushes so you know tigers wouldn't eat us, and and for us to live long enough to you know, have a bunch of kids so they could hide in the bushes so the tigers. And it, it's, it's we're starting to get glimpses of how things could actually be, but we're still such a long ways away uh, uh, from, from even, you know, we're, we're not even a third or, 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 or you know, less than halfway there and under, even understand uh, what our reality is and, and part that we play. And, um, you know, right now, I see even we have less of a chance because we are letting and and you know I'm not a foe of technology, but <laughs> you know right now we are becoming very enveloped in technology and how it, uh, it 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 controls our lives, leads our lives, and I you know, I think that for a while at least uh, our our Spiritual advancement, you know, they're they're going to flounder a little because of our dependence on. It. Then again, I mean, you know, there there could be that uh, that that moment where where technology could actually help us uh, take that next step uh, in our evolution uh, to go from being Homo sapiens to whatever that next evolutionary level is. For our species, and I'm hoping that that next evolutionary level will be more than just a physical advancement, but it'll be a spiritual advancement as well. Yeah, it's we have to be careful to integrate all that stuff carefully and not let it 
overtake our organic sides. I think that's my opinion on that. I think that's one of the the great uh, struggles <laughs> we're dealing with in this particular time frame. Oh, and it's going to get worse. Yeah. Well, that that leads me to my next question, and and possibly my final question. I I don't know. Uh, where we are in time here, but it's uh, over. It's past eleven. We're like almost at two hours. So, Tim, where as we move forward in this timeline that we're on, and we see what is at hand now with the technology around us and an AI, and I think most people agree that it's way far further ahead than we're led to believe. I certainly think that. I think it's so far ahead in the timeline that it's looping personally. So with that said, is is it possible? So this idea of loop this loop box, this looping reality, and, and this is still in context to everything we've been talking about could we possibly be in some sort of loop trap with an AI having like this AI situation where we get so far and then when it goes back and this could tie into all the CERN stuff. This can, this ties into recurrence in the Nietzschean way. This ties into reoccurrent dreams and pro the whole prognition, precognitive stuff and deja vu. And the Mandela effect. Mandela effect, Starfire Taurus, time slips. Do you think any of that is at play or does that all seem like folly to you? Or both and more? Or is it just the narrative of this game, this experience? That's also a possibility. Right, right. Um, you know, of course there is a speculation that, that we're living in a simulation so that we're a uh love world uh science experiment in a lab you know yeah. uh, schools could explain a lot <laughs> true but it's, couldn't a dream be seen not. that way oh could, yeah, would you know <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um i'm often you know there are some things, it, it makes me think, you know, when you ask this question, you know, there are some things about our reality that seem to be a little too perfect. Uh, I mean, you know. Solar eclipses? Solar eclipses. Well, even the idea that, you know, we live in a universe that is set up absolutely perfect in order to sustain life. Mm -hmm. Um, if, if, and, and I can't remember what, what the laws are. It's the Goldilocks zone. We're living the Goldilocks zone. Well, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's more than that. I mean, we, the planet Earth is in what you would call the Goldilocks zone, right. perfect space, uh, a distance from the sun, but the entire universe itself, if, uh, the, uh, mathematical formulas covered it, we're, we're off just a little bit. It wouldn't be able to sustain life. Uh, the radiation levels, pants uh, <laughs> or under that. Uh, you also look at and and I realize, of course, that we are 
infants when it comes to uh, observing other planets uh, nearby us. I was reading an article the other day that over 13, uh, 1,300 uh, solar systems have been examined uh, for life, and so far nothing else has been found. And, and so far we've not received any kind of, of radio signals uh, uh, from other civilizations things like that so I hate to think that this huge universe that we are the only ones here but maybe our perception of the universe yes. and reality and our place in it is is wrong and yes. that and that maybe we are the only ones here, but how we conceive the way the universe is made up is wrong. You, you look at the way that the scientists looked at the universe, you know, back in the 12th century. That, you know, uh, in the same amount of time in the future, what will we know about the universe that, that we don't know now? The so this idea, yes, uh, uh, saying um, that may not be too far off, but but we're not in a position yet <laughs> to understand it uh, as a collective, as a collective, right? Individually, right. People. yeah. I it's in like places. exactly, exactly the whole space thing. I mean, for all we know, it could be a map of of the cloud of consciousness itself that we visualize and perceive as the space, quote-unquote space, but it's really just our 3D mentality coping with the vastness of it. Well, have you seen some of these images that they have come up with that has showed, um, uh, at least as far as they have been able to put these galaxies and galaxy clusters together, it looks very much like brain cells. It does. The whole uh, uh, the the plasma network. It's just, yeah, it's, I find that's fascinating stuff right there. Right. So it's almost it's almost like as we look outward, we're looking inward. As above, <laughs> yes. so below. As without, so within. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but but then again, I mean, there's still that part of that you know I expect you know, being raised on like Star Trek, you know, Star Wars, things like that. You know, I expect that there, you know, to be other life out there. And of course, you know, being a UFO researcher, you can't get away from the original perception that UFOs are spacecraft from planets. So, some of them could be, but, um, Probably very simplistic viewpoint of the whole phenomenon. Much like everything that we have been discussing tonight, um, you know, I I think that a lot of our ideas are very simplistic, but that's the best to come up with. But things in nature turn out to be very simplistic. Um, I think. The, do you remember the movie Contact? Mm-hmm. Do you know the part where they they build the machine and they build the device and inside they had to weld the chair to the ceiling and right. it it caused all kinds of problems and and the vibration and it, it was just an issue right 
you know, that was basically a thing saying, don't mess with nature. Don't mess with, you know, the organicness of what we, we did, that they did it because they wanted to make it safer or whatever bullshit reason they came up with. It's, I don't know, to me, that was a good example of things are simple the way they're designed and not to mess with them. Well, the human, the human mind has been yeah. a complex situation out of, out of, out of <laughs> simple ones. In my line of work, they call it over-engineering. Oh, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, you know, you look at um, the beauty of, of things, they, you know, like rotation, galaxy, comparison with uh, inside of sunflower have that same type of spiral action gold uh, ratio so have this have this this beauty of reality and then combined with a perceived complexity but it's not like you said it's, it's, it's actually it's just it's very simple um but I suppose you have to have that, that certain type of mind to be able to look beyond the complexity and see, you know, the simplicity of it. Yeah, it's hard because it's so overwhelming, but I totally get that. Oh, yeah, overwhelming. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> but that's, you know, that's what makes, to me, all of this fun. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, because it, it seems to be overwhelming. Uh, because like we discussed at the very beginning of the program, you know, just when you think that you have got an answer and pull it open, you know, it's like a Rus- Russian nesting doll. Exactly. There's always something else. Always something else. Right. And, uh, and that's what, to me, that's what makes it exciting. And uh, even though, you know, when I was uh, 10 years old, I, I was hoping that there would be, that I'd live to see an answer, except, say, like UFO. That, but, you got one from the government, <laughs> TTSA. Yeah, yeah, but once again, though, I mean, they're just acknowledging that, yeah, people are seeing strange things. I know. But there's no explanation of what these strange things is. Is there an explanation? No. <laughs> yeah, who knows? I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and, you know, the, the late John Keel, uh, he wrote, and I've observed this myself, that um, when you think that you have got your finger on an idea on what may be involved, then it goes and completely it does a three sixty, yep. and you're back. You're left at square one. Yep. Or something else comes up. Some some new data point comes up. I'm like, oh, then it can't be that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. This is why it all feels like a, a riddle or a puzzle to or, me. Or a game. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Those are games, and so. There's something, you know, there is something that does seem like there's ar- architecture to it, like an architect, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, a, a grand synchronicity a master, a, a dungeon master, god, goddess, yeah, uh, and and so those things for me hold a lot of weight when I experience them. I never did, and so I know we're going to have to wrap soon, but I just for the sake of our continuity of some of the stuff we never did get where you raised religious no no not at all um we went we went to church i mean we 
who were members of, of Methodist Church, but I'm, you know, uh, that's probably about as our church probably about as small. <laughs> yeah, as yeah. as uh, as a religion, which you know, I've I've found that great because I mean, I was able to um, you know, to learn about you know Christian beliefs without being hammered uh, about or heaven and hell and right yes my, my wife uh, uh her her family belonged to the baptist church she was like you know, something like that uh the teacher told her that as uh, you know she hadn't been baptized but at this point she was going to go to hell no matter what and <laughs> that always know, amazes me what a thing to tell a 10 year old and you know and that's and that she just she has not, she wants nothing to do with organized religion and i can yeah. see yeah it is it you know it's it's such a all so many disorganized things in organ you know we get organized and then proselytizing it just seems like it takes the magic and luster out of something that could be and oftentimes is beautiful and so yeah well, and that's because there it's less to do with spirituality and more to do with fear and control exactly yeah absolutely but then you know it that's hard that's hard for people to that have been completely indoctrinated yeah i try to avoid that word these days for some reason and and not because of pc reasons but i just feel like it's it's hard for cult members to see that they're in a cult <laughs> It's you know, but we I a lot of us that are spiritual in nature agree there's something there's something very beautiful at the core of so much of what's going on and tapping into it and connecting with it, whatever you want to call it and and however you want to house it, it you know how's it in Jesus, how's it in in Siddhartha, how's it in the tree outside? It doesn't matter. I think it is a personal experience, and tapping into that can be really rewarding. Well, and that's see, that's the key point that right there. It's personal. Uh, your path can be different uh, from mine, as mine could be different from people next door, and that's great. It doesn't matter, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, we all have our own paths. Uh, however you take them as long as you take them that's the way to go right and yeah. trying to alter other people's paths against their free will oh. that's actually dark magic you yeah. know like and that's how i view these religions that really push their their stuff is like well if you know uh if you're if I mean, that's dark magic. You, if you don't get baptized you're going to hell that's dark magic how do you put you, that any other way you said that three times i know i needed to say that three times <laughs> why because it's usually it's usually the people proselytizing like that that feel that are looking at people say for example like me they think i'm absolutely hellbound right and uh and i'm thinking wow you're trying to force your will onto me and i'm extremely spiritual i have a real sense of uh self 
uh, I did, I myself just blends into the natural world around me and I feel really connected to it. And so, and that's holy and sacred to me. That is, I think what some people may call God. I just choose not to name it. And so to have people pushing their stuff at me saying that that's evil, that I'm going to go to hell. Trying to is, trap you in their constructs. Right. Is black magic. I mean, how else is, what else do you look at that? I mean. How many times have we heard that the Vatican's, you know, basically dark sorcery. Right. And, and so, you know, yeah, I mean, this is a whole different show. Yeah, no, it's a whole. <laughs> We're getting on the side. The B side. Have you. This uh, is. Wait, wait, wait. Have you ever uh, read or talked to uh, Leo Zagami? No. In your conspiracy travails? You should check him out sometime. What's that name? Leo, well, I think it's Leo Leone Zagami, Z-A-G-A-M-I. Now that I say no, I'll probably go back. He's a trip. <laughs> the dude's a trip. He is, yeah, yeah. He's everywhere right now because he's now in America and not silenced. He was silenced in Italy, I think, yeah. for 10 allegedly. years. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. However, he's here now. Yes. I'll, I'll definitely check him out. I love, I love getting new names and new information. Like when I'm, when I'm on these shows. Yeah, because you've talked to everyone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you've been around so long, you've talked to everyone's been on your show. I, one I way have, or another. And, and, and that's why sometimes, you know, when uh, when I'm given a name that I don't know, I'm just like, how did I not know this person? <laughs> 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 now, you know, you, you asked my, uh, my co-host uh, from Exploring the Bazaar, Tim Beckley, you know, he probably knows this person. I have lunch with him before. Yeah, uh, he's I awesome. I loved him. When we have an invite out to him too. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'll remind him. Tell him he has nothing to fear to come up. That the waters are right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Tim. This has been so fantastic. I can't tell you. I I love talking with people that talk to other people and other interesting people. We get That's such cool. a a great aggregate, uh, you, you know, people that talk to other people aggregate so much information that you become a well. And uh, there's, there's just so much there to explore. So thank you for this time. Yes, thank oh, you. Yeah, my pleasure. I, I always enjoy um, doing shows like this because this, it, it gives me an opportunity to really just, just let go and, uh, and talk about all of these different things that I'm interested in, as well as making me think about things that uh, I may not have really considered before. Uh, uh, opening my mind to, to new ideas, I always love. That's how the uh, Johnny L. Tenney interview was for me, in, in a lot oh, of ways. That was so, so great. I really really thoroughly enjoyed that the exorcism stuff yeah. just was out of this world literally <laughs> uh tim did you have any any current things you wanted to plug or talk about well um uh, i'll i'll plug just real quick uh, uh my my most recent uh, book which is uh, 
called uh, Jeff the Talking Mongoose, the yeah, eighth wonder of the world, and it's not a chill. <laughs> this uh, this was a case that uh, that took place back in the uh, 1930s on the uh, the Isle of Man, uh, where this uh, little uh, farmhouse found itself haunted, for want of a better word, by something that claimed that uh, that it was a mongoose that was over a hundred years old and could talk. It had an intelligence. Uh, and just exactly, you know, what it was and what was going on in that situation is uh, still open for uh, interpretation. Fascinating case. Oh, I have to get that. So much juicy stuff happens on the Isle of Man. It's a constant <laughs> house. I'm going to have to get that. I'm fascinated by the Isle of Man, and that's right up my alley. And oh, there's well, a link for it on Amazon in the show notes. Excellent. Great. Uh, yeah, you you read the book you'll you'll find yourself as as fascinated as uh, i mean i i first read about this early on i was probably like in middle school from a report by late earth psychologist Andrew Fordor. and so you know fortunately as time went by helped him beckley we were able to get a hold of a, of a lot of uh, new information uh, uh material that uh, really hasn't uh, been uh, reprinted since uh, the early 19th thirties and it's this it really is just past awesome. Hopefully it won't get, you know, burned in on Amazon. Uh well I'm I've I've already gotten some bad of bad reviews from, from people who obviously have not read <laughs> Of course they're the yeah the worst critics. Uh yeah no, but uh, you know that's uh, so it goes. <laughs> so it goes. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about Kurt Vonnegut yesterday. All right, focus. Well, thank you, everyone, for, for coming. Thank you, Tim, so much again. Nish, it's been a great show. Thank you, everyone who's listening. And be sure to tune in next week. We have Vinny Eastwood from all the way live from New Zealand. And we're going to be simulcasting on some radio station in New Zealand at the same time. So that will be fun. So anyway, have a great night, everybody, and we'll see you next week.